All right, we'll jump into today's uh, sharing uh, slash sermon. Um, so last week we talked about vision. <clears throat> I talked about, you know, where we're trying to end up. Um, that was, you know, to see the gospel revive our generation and beyond. And today I want to talk about mission, right? What's our mission statement? Um, and then next week uh, we'll talk about values. Maybe the week after um, we might push it one more week. But um, Okay, we'll, we'll jump into this one. Uh, let me uh, just start off uh, with an analogy. Imagine you are a pilot flying an airplane full of people um, and you're heading towards your destination, uh, but you press off a few wrong dials, you twist a, no- a few knobs the wrong way, and then you end up a few degrees off from, you know, I guess the way that you're meant to be headed. You know, it doesn't seem like a big deal that being you're only a few degrees off, uh, but over the span of, you know, hours, uh, what ends up happening if you are just a few degrees off, right? What doesn't seem like a big deal now ends up over time, you know, a huge deal because just a few degrees off will lead you to a totally different destination, right? And so uh, what's important is to know the destination, right? That's the vision where we want to get to, to keep, you know, your eye on that destination and make sure you're pointed that way. But also what we do now uh, matters as well. Um, the pressing of the buttons, the twisting the knobs uh, to make sure that we are doing what we're meant to do so that we can end up where we want to get to, right? And so mission is what we're doing now, right? So what are we as a church trying to accomplish today as a Christian, as a church? And, you know, I think maybe it was two months ago, I said, you know, this would be our mission statement. And I gave us the five G's, right? It was the gather, which is membership, grow, maturity, give, go, all for the glory of God. And I kind of put that up in a nice little um, square box. And I said, this is the mission statement. And, uh, you know, the, these G's or the M's if you want, but I like the G's because they're verbs. Um, like these are obviously still a core part of our church and our structure. I, I love, you know, the way that the G's turned out. Um, and, you know, this is still going to be kind of underlying um, in everything that we do, uh, but it felt like it would be better if we could come up with something, number one, maybe a little bit more simpler. Number two, something with the words Kingsway in it or something that could relate with the church name. And so, you know, I was in a long Zoom chat with uh, Peter and Daniel. We were chatting about the vision statement. I think it went for like maybe an hour or even like maybe more. And then um, someone suggested, you know, it'd be great if we could link something with Kingsway. And immediately by the Holy Spirit, um, you know, this, this kind of popped up and it ended up being our mission statement. I'm just joking. It might not have been the Holy Spirit. Um, but this is the mission statement we're going to go with. Um, love the king, live his way. Uh, love the king, live his way. Uh, it's got the word king and the way in there. And so that's the king's way. Um, and I want to kind of expand on, you know, what this means today. Uh, when you strip down uh, the Christian life, uh, these two phrases really kind of encompass uh, everything that we are meant to do. And so the vision statement is, and this is where we're trying to get to, this is what we want to see happen in the long run, um, decades later, maybe, or generations later, to see the gospel revive our generation and beyond, right? That's where we want to get to. And what we're trying to do today to get to that tomorrow is we're trying to love the king and live his way. And so, you know, on our website or whatever under King's Way, it'll be this, right? Love the king, live his way. And so let me sit on this and just unpack it a little bit. Uh, let me begin with this. I've got three points today. And the first one, I just want to talk again about 
the two greats. Now we've come back to the two greats you know, frequently throughout this year, and that's because you know they're really important, right? That's why they're the two greats. And you know, I'm just going to ask you: Do you know what the two greats are? The first great, you know, Mark twelve thirty is the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second great is the great. Right, it's the great commission. Right, go therefore make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey or observe all that I have commanded you. Right, so these are the two greats, and they're the two greats because you know everything Jesus says is important, uh, but these kind of you know are elevated in their uniqueness out of all that Jesus says. Right, the great commandment is uh, great because the question that was asked to Jesus was which commandment is the most important of all. Right, that was the question. What's most important? The response was love god right the second is love your neighbor but the first is love god right and the second the great commission is important because after jesus died and rose from the dead um as he is going to heaven he commissions his disciples right he gives them a mission while they're on earth and this is the great commission right make disciples make followers of jesus who live speak and do what jesus would want them to do now, again, this wasn't like really planned because, you know, the mission statement popped out of nowhere uh, by the Holy Spirit. But um, w- when you look at the love the king, live his way, these actually encompass these two greats, right? Love the king is the great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God. Uh, that's priority number one in what we're trying to do. Um, and live his way is, you know, encompasses the great commission. Uh, what we're trying to do as we make disciples is uh, make people who, you know, live, the way of Christ. And that's what it says. It says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And so that's what we're trying to make people do. And obviously as disciples ourselves, that's what we're trying to do. Right. And so if you take these two phrases, this is what I'm trying to accomplish in my life. I'm trying to love the King, live his way. That's what I want from my fellow believers. I want them to love the King, live his way. And when I look at non-believers, that's what I want them to do, right? I want them to love the King and ultimately live his way. And so I just want to say two things about this before I move on to the next point. One good thing about this, this mission statement, I, I'm just going to sell the mission statement. That's what I'm trying to do today. Uh, it's applicable to everyone, right? no matter who you are. Non-believer, a new Christian, you're a seasoned elder, um, and you're 70 years old. Right? This is relevant and applicable to all of us. Now, um, I'm not saying our mission statement is uniquely applicable to non-believers, but if you just contrast it with the six G's, um, I think it's much more palatable to a non-believer. Um, the six G's was a little complex in a way, right? So if someone heard, you know, gather, grow, give, go, all for the glory of God, there's a lot of words there. There's a lot of, you know, G's. Um, what, what, are, what does glory of God mean? It can be a bit confusing. And second, it could feel irrelevant because there are things in that, um, the G's that, uh, you know, may not feel like matters to them. Right. What, is, what does grow have to do with me? What does give have to do with me? What does go have to do with me to a non-believer? Um, but I think when a non-believer reads or hears love the king, live his way, number one, it's not complex. It, it immediately makes sense. Right? They should be able to understand that, um, love the king, and hopefully they understand King Jesus and live his way. And it's also relevant to them. Right? These are things that they know that they aren't doing, uh, but they also know that if they were to start coming to church, this is what we'd want them to do, right? Love the king, live his way. And so I think in that way, it's relevant to non-believers. I also think it's an added bonus that uh, this, the way that it's phrased 
um, it, it kind of speaks to the non-believer, right? As opposed to, let's say, a mission statement that says, you know, we exist to make disciples who transform the world, which, you know, is a good mission statement. But I think to a non-believer, um, you know, it doesn't speak to them, right? That's something what the church does. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm just being made a disciple of. But when a non-believer hears, love the king, live his way, it's like it, it speaks to them. You know what I mean? It, it, it's a message to them. It's inviting them. I want you yourself to do this, right? Love the king, live his way. Uh, the second thing also is that it's applicable not just to non-believers, but to believers. Right? For a believer, this is something we're doing. Right? We love the king. We live his way. But also, it's something that we can always do better in. Right? I know you love the king, but I know also that you could love him better. Right? I know you live his way, but I also know you could live his way better. Right? And so even for the believer, no matter how seasoned you are, this mission statement really matters to you right now in your life today. Right? And so this, the way that the six Gs would kind of fall under this mission statement is that the six Gs uh, is kind of, if you were to break apart, uh, love the king, live his way and ask, well, how, how do I do this practically? Well, that's when the six Gs come in. It's like our strategy, right? How do, we, how do I love the king, live his way? How do I help others love the king, live his way? How do, I, as, how do we as a church, you know, what's our strategy, strategy to help others do this, right? This is the way that we've broken it down, right? So we gather because when we, let's say we gather, we, we see, each, see other people love Jesus. That spurs my love for Jesus, right? I need that gathering to help me live his way because I need that accountability, encouragement, rebuke, etc. So these six practical ways, they kind of funnel into loving the king, living his way, right? I hope that makes sense. And so the six years will be there always in the background is the way that our church is structured. But as, as a tagline, as something that we memorize, we want to put on our website, we want non-believers to hear, right? Love the king, live his way. It's just much more simpler and I think um, easier to remember. All right, let me focus on these a little bit. Let me talk a little bit about the first half, love the king. Uh, it's not explicit in this, but uh, love the king has underlying gospel tones, right? In it is really, um, it, it's the gospel. Uh, it reminds me of uh, our father in heaven. If you remember me talking about this, you know, our father in heaven has these two realities that shouldn't coexist, right? Our father, God is my father. He's close to me, imminent, right? I have this relationship with him, but then he's in heaven, right? He's beyond me, transcendent, you know, he's holy. And these, this, these two uh, truths come together in the gospel for us, right? He is beyond me, but close to me because of what Christ has accomplished. Right? Similarly, for me at least, love the king is a little bit jarring um, because it's not love your friend Jesus or, you know, love the shepherd, that, that, that would be easier to kind of, you know, mesh together, but it's love the king, right? The king emphasizing Christ's majesty, power, and position of authority. And yet those two things are able to happen because, again, of the gospel, right? We, dirty, unworthy, common folk, are able to love the king, right? Because of what the gospel has done for us. You know, I've shared this example before, but... Um, you know, in, back in 2019, there was this big deal that Prince William and uh, Princess Kate caught a domestic flight 
um, and it was like kind of all over the place on the news and people were taking photos because, you know, royalty uh, would, you know, sit amongst normal human beings and people were so amazed that, you know, they would be with the common people. Um, and this phrase, love the king, invites us to be a part of something, you know, much more amazing and incredible uh, because here is royalty, uh, but not just the king, but the king of kings, the lord of lords um, that we can then relate to. Right here is the one who will uh, reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. This king, right, we are invited to love. Right? And so love the king. It has these gospel um, grace-filled underlying tones. The second thing I want to point out, um, and I said this before, is that love the king is uh, really the greatest thing we can do. Uh, we've substituted love the Lord your God, right, with Jesus because we believe Jesus is God, right, the king. Um, but as we live our lives, um, when you think about your, your relationship with God, when you think about what you can do, um, we, this, is, this is it. Like, this is priority number one. I, I want to love, love, love Jesus. Now you want to put in there maybe uh, worship or glorifying God. Um, but, you know, as we love God, that process, we, we are worshiping him. Um, we are glorifying him as we love him deeply. Um, and even when you compare it to the Great Commission, I said, the Great Commandment is a step above because the Great Commandment enables the Great Commission. I'll talk about that in a moment. But also the Great Commandment we will do forever. Right? The Great Commission we'll stop doing when we get to heaven. Right? So loving Jesus now, loving Jesus in heaven, right? this is um, you know, the most important or at least one of the two most important things we are doing in our lives. And so when you hear the phrase, love the king, this is very relevant to you. Right? This is something we should be fighting to do. You know, this comes, applies to us in two ways, evangelistically and personally. Um, evangelistically, when we see people who aren't at church, um, de-churched or unchurched, uh, we should see them in a way that like, longs for them to love Jesus, uh, longs for them to have that personal relationship uh, with their king, uh, hopefully uh, their savior, their shepherd. You know, often we think of kind of evangelism in uh, terms of avoiding the negative, right? Avoiding judgment, avoiding hell, you know, uh, getting rid of their sin. And, and they're true. That, that's true. That, that's what happens in salvation. But the positive side of this is that they gain a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? And I don't know, maybe it's me because I'm like, I'm negative and I'm, <laughs> I'm pessimistic. But I, when I see, when I think of evangelism, I'm thinking you know, the negative, right? Avoiding sin, avoiding hell, avoiding judgment. Um, but, but, you know, seeing them in terms of people who, who you desire to have a relationship with Jesus, right? I, I just want you to be in a relationship with Christ and to be able to love him and be loved by him. Right? I think that is just one way we should see uh, people in terms of evangelism. The second thing is the personal thing is just to reflect, you know, do I love the king? Right. Again, this is relevant to all of us, no matter how many years you've been a Christian. Right? Am I growing in my love for Jesus? Do I love him more in this season than the last? Uh, you know, we all love Jesus, but kind of like that man um, who said, I, I believe, help my unbelief. I, I think for us, it's like, I love you, but, you know, help me because you know, I don't love you nearly as much as I should. You know, at least for me, in my Christian walk, love Jesus more kind of enters, um, it kind of, kind of hits me over the head uh, in certain moments, um, especially when Christianity feels complex, uh, when I'm busy doing ministry, 
and you know, in moments of prayer, it just this um, point of clarity comes to me um, at certain times in my walk where it's just like, uh, just keep it simple, right? Paul, you're very confused. You're very anxious. You've got a lot of things on your plate, whatever. But you know what you need to do, right? It's very simple. Make sure you love Jesus more, right? And, and I don't know, for me in those moments, I come away from that time of prayer like, yeah, that's it. Like it, it, can, it can be as simple as that. I just need to love Jesus more. And like a thousand things will pour out of there. But if I, I just need to get that one thing right, I love Jesus more. And so I want to encourage you to, to do that. All right. Uh, not just do things for him, do things with him. Just, don't just talk about him, talk to him. Um, do more than love his people. Do more than love his promises. Do more than love his word. Love him right, for himself. Right? Love Jesus, your king. Right, I just want to lastly uh, spend a bit of time on this phrase, live his way. When you think of uh, humanity and our failure, it's a failure uh, not only to, not, it's a failure of not, uh, failing to love God, but also failing to live his way. Right? We, humanity, right? mankind in their sinful nature fails to live his way. When you look to the garden, right, the, the point where uh, Adam and Eve failed was that they chose to live their way and no longer live God's way, right? That, that was the, the point where sin, um, you know, entered the world and corrupted everything. Right? And ever since then, um, sinful mankind, um, our anthem has been, you know, I, I did it my way. Right? I, I'm going to choose my way. I want to live my way. And God, uh, I'm not going to submit to you. And so as Christians, what sets us apart from the world is not only that by grace uh, we are loved by Jesus and love him in return, but that also we do our best to live his way. Right? Live his way is like a banner on which a thousand other things fall under. Living his way means loving your neighbor. Living his way means you know, committing to a church. Living his way means you know, daily disciplines. Living his way means all these things, right? Our attitudes, our minds, the way we speak, what we say, how we say it, our, our, the, how we treat temptation, that we fight and flee, right? our engagement with those disciplines, right? this is all living his way. Right? And the Christian is, again, trying to do this more and more. Right? The order is important here. Love the king, live his way, because you know, I've said it a lot of times, that order is the way it happens in the Christian life. Right? We don't live his way in order to you know, gain love or to try to show our love for him. Right? We are loved by God by grace. Right? We have that relationship even though we didn't live his way. Right? This is, this is um, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Right? For by grace you have been saved. Right? Grace being something you didn't deserve. It's through faith. Right? What we do is, is believe. We, we just believe that this incredible salvation by grace is, is ours. We don't do anything, right? This is not your own doing. You didn't do it. It is the gift of God. A gift is free. It's not purchased. Again, verse 9, not a result of works, right? It's not because you did something. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it so that no one may boast, right? At our, at the, at our salvation, none of us should say, I did it. I, I achieved it, right? We don't boast about us. We boast about Christ because Christ did it. And then in verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. And so verse 4, verse 8 to 9 is saying, uh, we're saved not by works, but verse 10 is saying, but we are saved for works. Right? Not by works, but for works. Our salvation is not by works, it's by grace. But after we are saved, right, we are then to work. Right? Not because it saves us, but because we're already saved. We're already loved. Right? We now live His way. That order, right, I've said it before, is vitally important. Right? We don't get that order the opposite way. We don't save ourselves. We don't live our way into His love. This love that we have for the King and that we've received from the King fuels the living. Right? It's like when you love a friend, you love you know, a fiancé, you love a spouse, and you want to do what pleases them. Right? Love fuels the living for them to do what you know, that makes them happy. Um, but if you try to you know, obey someone or do things for them when you don't have love, that's when it becomes a chore. Right? That's when it becomes a duty. Right? And so this order is important for us as Christians. It's important for the way that we see non-believers as well. Right? Evangelistically, right, when we see non-believers not living his way, right, we don't want to fix that part first. We want to fix the fact that they don't love the king. Right? That part would, leave, would lead to them living his way. Right? And so you know, your, your non-believers, believing friends, they're swearing. You, know, you don't want to step in and be like, hey, stop swearing. That's, that's a sin. Of course, they're, they're not going to live the king's way because they don't believe in the king. Right? They don't love the king. Right, why should a non-Christian live like a Christian? First, they need to become a Christian, right? Love the king would lead to living his way. And personally, you know, for us, like as Christians who already love the king, right, my encouragement to you is really think about like what areas of my life can I live his way, right? How can I grow in my love for him? Yes. But also how can I grow in my obedience to Jesus? Because I feel like believers, after a while, you know, we get uh, quite complacent uh, with the state of our holiness. You know, when you first become a Christian, there's such a long list of things that, you know, weren't aligned to God that you take the big things and you tick them off and your life is such, has so, so much radical change because there's so much that can change. But after a while, there's still these kind of little boxes that we leave there. And we think, well, you know, I've changed enough. The, the good that I do outweighs the bad that I do. Or the bad that I do is really things that no one really ever sees. So it seems like I'm okay. And we're satisfied with the state of our living for Jesus, right? The state of our holiness. Um, but the encouragement is for all of us that we can grow in this area of living his way all the time. Right? Our pursuit of holiness ends when we hit perfection. And we don't hit perfection until we get to heaven. And so this should be relevant to us, right? These two things, right? We should be fighting for them all the time. I want to love Jesus more and more. And I want to live his way more and more, right? right? Those, those hidden sins, those, those attitudes, those, those thoughts that come into our mind, right? You know, all of those kind of things that seem small, but are still sin. Right? They still displease the Lord, right? and we should be fighting against them. And so the summary is, this is the mission statement. This is what I want for myself. I, I'm fighting to love the king. I'm fighting to live his way. This is what I want as a church, the way that um, you know, what we're trying to produce in people's lives, what we're trying to do is help them love the king, live his way. And when we look at non-believers, right? I encourage you to see them through this lens. 
I want them to one day love the king. Right? I want to play my part in helping them to live his way. When you imagine someone doing these two things well, right? imagine you see someone and they love the king well. Right? They live his way well. I don't know, for me, that, that's just like the perfect Christian. Right? And there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. But do you know what I mean? Like if you can just do these two things, um, these are the two kind of huge things that I think maybe covers everything. Right? This is what we're fighting to do. Right? And so for you as a launch team member, I want you to maybe do three things. Number one, know this mission statement, memorize it, apply it to your own life. Right? It's, it's really simple, right? Uh, hopefully you memorize it. We, we tested the the growth group leaders of the vision statement this week, you know, um, that, that's a bit longer. And so, you know, we, we have room to memorize that one. Um, but this one, I feel like we should, we should all know. Okay. And so love the King live this way. I said that a hundred times in this, this sermon. Um, second, um, yeah. See non-believers through this lens, right. As a launch team member, you know, when you um, see your non-believers, yeah, like say salvation from hell, et cetera, that, that's all good. But maybe see them with that kind of desire for, for something that's good for them, right? What's good for them is that they would know Jesus, right? And walk with him. And third, um, no matter what you're doing right now in the church structure, wherever you fall in the five G's, gather, you grow, you give, you go, or for the glory of God, right? I see you're serving as a part of making this happen, right? Sometimes we don't, we don't see our place. Uh, I, I don't know what's the use of welcoming someone, I don't see what's the point of folding a pamphlet or, you know, I'm crunching numbers on Excel. I'm designing a logo, right? All these things might seem like, you know, what relevance does it have? Everything that we're doing as a church is trying to make this happen, right? It might feel like a small cog, but it's run. It's a part of the, the bigger machine that is running uh, that is helping people love the King and live his way. Right? So this is our mission statement. Um, hope it's not confusing. Hope it makes sense. Um, yeah, I think if we can do this, it will push us to accomplish that vision that we want to see, right? The gospel to revive our generation and beyond. So the two questions I have for you guys is this, um, this is just, this is more the personal aspect of it. Um, but which of the two can you do better in? I love the King or live his way. And what is one thing you can do? Um, oh, that doesn't make sense. To improve this one. What is one thing you can do? This week to help this. Okay. <laughs> Ignore the two. What is one thing you can do this week to help this? Alrighty. 